Okay, hi everybody. The podcast is on purpose. I am Dr. John Duffy, and with me is Chicago Tribune columnist Heidi Stevens. Hi, Heidi. How are you? Hi, John. I'm good. How are you? Good. It's been a couple of weeks. It has. We took a week off. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, like a lot happened, right? A lot happened. Just in our own personal lives. Yeah. 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 Your son moved out for starters. I want to hear about that. No, no small thing. And yeah. there is no Kleenex here in the little podcast. Yeah. Studio. We don't have to go deep, but I do no. want to hear how you're doing. Um, really well. Uh, it, it was surprisingly upbeat and happy for both Julie and I. And I really didn't anticipate that, to be really honest. Yeah. I thought, like, this is going to be really painfully emotional. Somber. Uh, yeah, grim. Yeah. Um, because this is kind of the, and a client said this to me, She's uh, the, the, and, and when you're with a client, you kind of really want to keep it something of a poker face. You don't mm-hmm. want to be the one falling apart. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I, can, I can see that. Um, and And she pointed out, this is final. This is the last one. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, yeah. like, this is the last one. My Pardon God. me while I find Kleenex. Because <laughs> we're moving more stuff out. And, you know, there's yeah. this idea like, oh, I better take that trunk with all my memorabilia Aww. because that means something. And this is my house now. Yeah. And so um, so we helped get it, get the place all set up. And then we left. And Julie and I had a very normal Saturday night. And... Um, and every once in a while in the week following that, I would have this kind of like sinking moment of like, oh, man, it's going to be so hard without him. I'm so going to miss him. You yeah. know, like Ju- Julie and I are good together. We, we, he's been in college for four years. We operate really well together. Um, but we operate really well, all three of us together as well. Yeah. So the idea of being without him is something to get used to. Sure. Now, he threw a wrench in the works because... He moved out on Saturday. He um, had a training thing in the suburbs on Tuesday, so he was home on Monday. Oh, okay. <laughs> so there wasn't much in the way of missing him. Right. That was and nice of him, actually. It was very – I, I probably was fundamentally like a, a, an act of kindness. Yeah. And then he reached out midweek and said, hey – um, Jack, his cousin who's living with him, is coming with a truck and we need to hang some blinds. You guys around just to come in for a few hours and Aww. help us out with that stuff. And, you know, we're literally like, we might have had something to do. I yeah, think we're supposed no. to meet the queen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she can wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Julie and I were like, yeah, we'll be there. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Drapes are in the car. Yeah. We're, I'm, we're I'm buying outside. a drill. Yeah. <laughs> literally bought a drill. I like, you know, I am not a power tool person, but I'm like, uh, bought a drill. We're going to yeah. work a drill. <laughs> <laughs> so we spent that afternoon with him and and we realized it it's first of all it's the right thing for him and it, it there's something joyful about seeing him fully launched it's exciting um for both of us i think we feel kind of like okay we did that and he's a good man and we're so proud of him yeah. and uh, and so that part's really great there also is this like when you see a picture of little George, which I have in my office, yeah, it it makes your heart sink. Sure. You know what I mean? So it is it is a time of incredibly mixed emotions. Yeah. Yeah. That's parenting in a nutshell, right? It is. Yeah. It is. And knowing me, when my father died, I remember being at the wake and I was like master of ceremonies, like, you know, meeting my dad was an AA, so all these guys who were sober showed up like drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes. And, yeah. I, and I was shaking hands and telling stories about Walt and it was you know, uh, and I thought, I am gonna be perfectly fine. Yep. Two weeks later, a friend of mine and I are painting a room in um a house that we bought. We bought a two flat together, and I start 
screaming at him. And he's like, I think you might need a break. And I fell apart. I listened to Springsteen in the car, and I just cried for three hours. And wow. I, so I, I realize I'm probably not in the grieving space yet. I'm yep. going to hear some song or have this moment and fall apart. Yep. Yep. And I yeah. think I need that probably. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But you also know it's coming. Yes. Maybe you'll be, yeah. Well, I know it's coming. It won't and shock you. It won't shock me. And I'll probably text George yeah. and say, you know, like, I miss you. Yeah. Yeah. Do you need any drapes hung? Yeah. Because yeah. I will be there. <laughs> and I like, have I will drop. drop, I will cancel yeah. my clients. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's yeah. lovely. Yes. So yeah. you've had quite a, a week of passages and busyness. Yeah. So the week we took off from talking was actually um, not necessarily because of our crazy schedules, but it timed out well that that was the week that my stepson was graduating from high school. My daughter made it to the city championship for track, which takes place on the far west side, which was at the same time as my son's Little League game on the near south side, which was an hour before Lit Fest which is in the South Loop, um, which I was working. So it actually wasn't optional. (laughs) I actually had to be there to interview Raina Telgemeier, who's this delightful children's author. Um, And we had a house full of people from New Mexico and Ohio and my parents and from the suburbs because we were hosting a graduation party for my stepson. And that's one day. That's a day. That was all in one day. Okay. All that happened on a Saturday. So I did. It was lovely. It was like, you know, all the layers of life and happening in one day. And it was, you know, sort of an embarrassment of rich. Yeah, right. right. Um, How do you have, you know, all three of these kids are doing amazing things. Look at all this family that came to town to watch them. Um, I have a job that I enjoy and that invites me to meet authors. I mean, all of these things are happening in one day. And you can't complain about it because it's like every single one of these things is fantastic amazing right. um maybe not on the same day <laughs> right right in the future given the but... choice we might spread this out a hair a hair um but i have to tell you about this epiphany i had because um i actually think this might be helpful to people i there was um i'm not gonna um dog michael but he i i will say to him and i don't or say to you and i don't think this would be surprising to him if he was listening he loses things a lot mm-hmm. um he loses his wallet, his keys, his phone, his glasses. He just, you know, he loses things. And for guys, uh, those are all that's all our stuff. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's everything he owns. Yeah. <laughs> Except his car. Actually, you know what? We did lose his car leaving John's graduation too. We could not find where it was parked. So even his car. Ooh, a car. Lose. That's yeah. impressive. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, it's a Honda Fit. It's not like a luxury vehicle, but you know, that's, you still, you know, we need it. Right. We need it to get around. We don't want it lost. Um Anyway, so there was a moment Saturday morning in and among all of this chaos. We were trying to get June to track and Will to baseball and me to Lit Fest and host the party, blah, blah, blah. He lost his keys. And I did not help him find his keys because I don't help him find things. That is a role I have chosen to no longer take on. The first few years of our marriage, it was like, drop everything, kids. Right. We're all hands on deck looking for the wallet. Um, (laughs) And... You know, slowly but surely, I was like, you know, this is actually not working for me. Um, Lose things and then find them and then let me know when that is all over with. I'll I'll be over here working or I'll be over here making a lunch or I'll be over here, whatever. So I did not help him find his keys. Eventually they were found. And my sister-in-law said to me later, like, you didn't help him find his keys. And I was like, yeah, I don't help him find things. Um, And we had a little conversation about that. And and I started thinking about, you know, the way I explained it to her was like, um, 
you know, the the fact that he loses things is just a character trait. I mean, he yeah. just he's just someone who loses things. I don't, this isn't something that's developed since you've got married or something like that. He he loses stuff. He loses things. Yeah. Fine. I actually can just recognize that about him and not even really mind because I have chosen not to let it affect my day right. a whole lot. If I had to drop everything and help him find whatever he lost, I think I might resent it more. I think yeah. I might resent that character trait more. Right. And so I started thinking about all the roles that we take on in our relationships. And and I mean, you know, even your relationship with your colleagues at work or your supervisor or your parent, you know, the way you parent or the other volunteers at school, the, the roles that we take on, if there are parts of them that we resent or if there are parts of the other people that we're in these relationships with right. that we resent, can we pause for a second and say like, but do I need to take on that role? Like, is that a role that's working for me or for that other person? Or is it working for that other person and not me? Or is it working for me and not that other person? And and where you can, certainly that's kind of like said from a place of privilege, right? Like you can't sure. stop doing everything you don't like doing. right? But if you have parts of your life where you're like, oh, because they're this way, it forces me to be this way. Can we pause and go like, does it force me to? Right. Or right. am I choosing to? Especially if it's going to breed resentment, right? Is, right. It, is it way better for our relationship if I decide, nope, I'm not going to be the key finder because that's not going to, that doesn't work for us down the road somewhere. Right. At some point I resent that and that grows, that festers and gets bigger. That's right. Yeah. And I will say, you know, I am lucky because Michael is a even keeled, lovely, generous soul who isn't like, help me find my fucking keys <laughs> or, or even or even passive aggressively being like, really, you're not going to help me. I mean, he doesn't do any of that. Right. And so I have the luxury of not helping and also not getting any blowback. Right. That's um, a big, that's no small thing. Huge. Right. Yes. I mean, that is huge. I'm not going to discount, you know, how huge that is. Yeah. Um. However, I think all of us probably can find some place in our life, if it's at work, if it's at school, if it's wherever, where we're like, am I doing this, you know, and resenting it and not really thinking hard enough about whether I need to do it. So right. that when you and Michael have this dynamic where it feels to me like you understand each other on a pretty deep level and you can accept like, well, Michael's going to lose his keys. Five years from now, he may very well be a key loser, mm -hmm. um, but I'm just not going to be the key finder. Right. And so that's fine. Yep. Right? He doesn't need to be a key finder guy. He, he can lose his keys as much as he wants. I'm just not going to be the person who finds them because that might not be good for us. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes we don't think about the roles we play in marriages and other relationships. Oddly enough, my mind drifts to a woman in our neighborhood, Lori, um, I'll, because she's awesome. Um, Lori somehow knows the Duffy calendar better than any Duffy. Wow. So either Julie or myself, or yeah, she'll, she'll tell me like, you know, oh, you're supposed to be making your podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lori. You should be downtown, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, she, she, she's amazing that way. And we do not, by the way, return this favor to Lori. Uh -huh. You know, so I have to learn... Lori's siblings' names, and you know, and she could tell she knows my sister-in-law's name. Wow, you know what I mean? Like she's amazing that yeah. way. And so sometimes we choose those roles, and we're really, really good at them, and we thrive in like taking care of people in certain ways. Yep. Um, if 
but but it, it, by the same token, um, in my own household, I am not I'm not a handy person, and so I I was. Uh, but you have a drill. I, I have a drill okay. because I because I was able to hang blinds. I may be hand- that that's another thing. I wonder sometimes if it's a myth because my dad wasn't handy, so uh-huh. I never learned how to do anything. Uh-huh. So the fact that my son and I hung blinds felt very he man of yeah. you know. I think we both felt like you know we built a house. You totally. know what I mean? <laughs> right. You're like signing up for Habitat for Humanity now. Right. Yeah. I can't do the podcast. I'm in Alabama building houses. When yeah. in fact, all we did was kind of block the sun a little. Right. So you could see bit. the TV. <laughs> it wasn't much more sophisticated than that. All right. Anyway, um, I interrupted you. But no, You're... but, but, but in, in our house, you know, our disposal stopped working recently. And Julie correctly said that could in another abstract world, be a guy job. Uh-huh. And I, I think I ignored that to some extent. Uh-huh. Um, but <laughs> it, it, she's absolutely right that, you know, she she kind of suggested, I think it's not just getting underneath there and flipping a switch or something. Right. You can watch a YouTube video. Exactly. Yeah. And yet I was prepared, and, and I'm not exaggerating a lot. To sell to, the house. To sell the house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or at least never, ever repair the thing. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Just like, you know. Life that's without... Without a, a disposal. disposal, right, all right, right. We'll get we'll get a new one when we when we sell the house, yes. right? Um, so generations pl- lived without garbage <laughs> disposals, babe. We don't need this. This is the kind of yeah. thing I'm thinking, right? We'll compost it. We mean throw <laughs> right. it in the yard. <laughs> but but I can imagine that we would resent one another if yes. we didn't talk that stuff through yes. potentially. And I think I, I work with couples. Where Could Lori fix the disposal for you? Absolutely. <laughs> Lori, I don't know that Lori didn't. The disposal works. And Lori <laughs> that, might have been that instrumental. That's 100% Lori. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lori, you are getting such props here. <laughs> We're going to mention you in the write up. Um, I did not anticipate, by the way, honestly talking about Lori, but Lori is very much, she makes us feel taken care of. But, well, I hope that she. Um, enjoys that role though i mean yeah. it sounds like maybe that sh- that she really gets something out of that too that that's fulfilling to her i think it's fulfilling to her i think it's organic to her i think yeah. she's a, like really great at taking care of people and i think we really we have let her know how much we appreciate her that's um, fantastic yeah yeah, yeah 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 and i mean at one point a couple of years ago George, Julie asked George, you know, like, what do you need for school for senior year in high school? This is several years ago. And he, at some point, said, I don't know. Ask Lori. Like, (laughs) (laughs) how am I supposed to know? (laughs) She's got the school supply list. It's an Excel spreadsheet, Mom. God. (laughs) Um, so, So to your point, I think considering the roles we play, and how we feel about them is no small thing. Because I've been working with couples lately. I was sharing this with you a little bit, and I'm going to be careful here. Yeah. Um, sometimes we end up playing roles that we do resent. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, our partner might learn to be helpless uh, so that we do more of the thing that we don't want to – that they don't want to do. That's right. You know? And um, and that pattern can be really damaging to a relationship. That can be – what we spend hours and hours in therapy talking about, mm-hmm. staying on the surface of, you know, like talking about the disposal or the lost keys, as opposed to talking about, well, how do you feel about this? Right. Stuff? And I, and it all, makes me I, feel like my time's not as important as yours. Exactly. Or it makes me, yeah. 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 It makes uh, me or, feel like you're not as invested in the, you know, care the kids and keeping or, of a household yeah. or the raising of the kids right. as I am. Right. Yeah. And, and then you've got something you can actually work with that feels 
meteor and might really make an impact on your lives. Where right. if you if you stay on the surface of things, then all you you might do is find a place to put the keys or a way to fix the disposal, and you might you might mitigate one issue. Yep. But you've not solved the underlying problem. The underlying stuff. Yeah. 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 And yeah. it's huge to solve the underlying stuff. I think it is, especially in marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, and you don't have to agree, by the way. You don't. This is another thing I've noticed that the couples feel, oftentimes, walking out of my office like, eh, "This didn't go very well." We don't agree. Hmm. And um, there's a um, John Gottman is a marriage therapist. I don't know if you've ever. Oh yeah. Have you spoken to him? Yep. I, I picture that you have. Yeah. Um, he said at one point, I saw him speak, and he said. Um, if you agree all the time, one of you is unnecessary. Oh, jeez. Well, that's, that's actually an interesting way to put it. <laughs> Meaning you, you, it's important. You you grow from your disagreements, right? right? It's right, a good right. thing. It's a good thing when you, don't dis- when you don't agree and you have to figure out a way to work a life together yeah. knowing, like, we're not the same person. We yeah. got to figure this out. Yeah, and, and, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, the key is to not... Avoid the stuff, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Right. Because then it then it grows and festers and often will go forever, never being said. Yeah. You know, and, and you just grow more and more apart mm-hmm. and um and you wonder why and you don't attend to your especially if it's a marriage or a very close intimate relationship, to have that happen and try to sustain that, it's just painful. Yeah. And why would we choose to spend our lives that way? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, another thing that happened in the time that you and I talked is I think you finished a book. I finished a book. Is this right? Yes. Okay. Correct. I want to hear about the book because we've, okay. we've sort of touched on it here and there and you and yeah. I have talked about it a little bit, but tell me what this book is. Okay. All right. So here's, here's the deal. Um, uh, I was writing a blog, a, a little article for a, um, an app called Pear. Okay. And, um, and what I was, found myself writing about was a father and son who were in my office. And dad was, in an effort to be understanding, said, son, I know what it's like to be 16. I was there. It wasn't that long ago. Mm. I was a teenager. Mm. And his son said, no, you were never a teenager, period. Not like this. Hmm. And so he started to delineate you know, why his dad was never a teenager. You never dealt with academic and social pressures like I did. You never had social media. Um, didn't live you, through school shootings. You didn't have you didn't have school shooting anxiety. You yeah. know, um, you didn't have this awareness of mental illness, and mm. your your friends weren't taking pills for certain things, and there was no vaping, and there was no juuling, and there was no and and these weren't gateways to each other, and all and he listed one thing after another that was super stressful for him that his dad didn't know. I mean, we don't know what that world is like, but it is amped up and far more stressful than it's ever been. And to make it trickier before we make it any better, um, it starts earlier now. So the talks that we used to be able to reserve, that I was able to reserve, George is 23, for 12 or 13 years old. Okay, let's talk about sex. Let's talk about social media. Let's talk about girls. Let's talk about school, drinking, whatever. Um, I was able to do that when it controlled the narrative of a lot of things until he was about 12. Yeah. You know, and then we started talking about things. And I was able to really kind of calmly think, where are you developmentally and in terms Mm -hmm. of maturity? Are we ready for this? I'll just ask questions this time. And Mm -hmm. then I'll say a little bit more next time. And I was able to kind of titrate my discussion with him over the course of years. Mm -hmm. Now, 
Um, well, one story I, I tell, I think we're okay time-wise, is <laughs> um, I got my hair cut this past Saturday. For the first time, by the way, since January, maybe the second time, because I got just absolutely... Um, my Did you hair, get hair shamed? I, oh. I, I was I was hair shamed. <laughs> Did you get hate mail well, about your hair? I I think I shamed myself, so I didn't go through what you went through. Um, but my my hair was super short. I fell asleep during a haircut. Oh, and it was like I mean it was oh, short enough. Oh, I remember enough. when yeah, you was, got that super short haircut. Yeah, it was scalp short. Oh, like that's you could write on my asleep? scalp. Yes. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I was sick. I fell asleep. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and Julie was in the room for for uh, that, that, that. She doesn't usually take me like a mom, but uh-huh. you know, like she she was there with was me. Was this a kid snips? Uh, no. <laughs> It's just so I don't cry when I sit on a little airplane. Okay. <laughs> she holds my hand and helps. Um, and so Julie was doing something on her phone or whatever, mm-hmm. and I was getting my hair cut, and I was looking down, and I looked up, and my hair was gone. I mean, it was just gone. Like, I, there was a quarter inch. I was a Marine. Okay. No, and that's not the look haircut. I sport very well. Yeah, it was um, still looked fine, but it was different. But I deserve probably more trolling than you ever got. Okay. When, you know, like, I, I think that was a little unfair going back in time. Um, so um, this very, So you very, let it grow out. Yes. And now you've returned to the salon. And this okay. lovely stylist now has, has uh, is telling me about her kids. And okay. she has two girls, one's um, in kindergarten, her oldest, and one I think is two or three. And her oldest came home and said, Mommy, we had the bad kid drill today. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a shooter drill. Active shooter drill. And, um, and their last name begins with Z. And what the kids are told to do is get in their cubby. Like their little where you store your boots and your yep. coat and your stuff, and um, and hers was the one closest to the door. So she's like, I can see in the hallway. So the bad kid's gonna see me. Am I gonna die first? Mm. And so this mom has to work through her own emotions of like, oh shit, how do I explain this to you? Yeah, you know, at six. Yep. And and make you feel safe at school when I'm not sure you're safe at school. I'm scared about that every day. Like, yeah. you, I think you said recently, there is no parent that drops their kid off at school and feels completely comfortable about no. that. No. Yeah. No way. Yeah. And so here she is dropping her, her kindergartner off. And now yeah. she knows that her next child's coming along and maybe it's going to be worse. Um, yeah. So the, the point being... Um, Conversations that parents were not having to have a generation or two ago. We have to have really early. Yeah. Yeah. And not on our timeline necessarily. Nope. Yeah. And so I encourage parents in the book to, and in real life, to be um, uh, more curious than anything else Mm. early on. Like, you know, what do you know? Because kids know an awful lot and they'll tell you. And sometimes they have ideas for solutions. So uh, parents have asked me, like, well, I don't know what to say to my kid. And my point usually with a younger child is all you have to just draw them out and ask them, you know, ask questions. Yeah. They'll they'll surprise you in all likelihood with what they already know. Yep. And so that will give you a little license to talk about it and what they think might help, mm-hmm. which sometimes is absolutely revelatory. It's mm-hmm. really kind of cool to hear kids talk about it. It gets complicated further by the fact that adolescence is prolonged, I would argue, on the back end as well because of what one brilliant girl I worked with called identity traffic. And she was talking about the identity she has to maintain. She feels she has to maintain on Instagram, which is a big one for her because the likes 
fuel her self-esteem, even though she knows she's doctored the picture of herself Mm -hmm. to the point where it's absolute bullshit and doesn't look anything like her Mm. yet. Yeah. It gets a thousand likes. And so that means something to me that's building my self-worth, even though I know it shouldn't. Yeah. So you have that, like, uh, all this identity stuff coming at her, right? And then, you know, I got to be one way with my coach, one way with my boss, one way with my parents, this group of friends, that group of friends, my teachers. I don't know how to keep it all straight. And And it doesn't end when you graduate high school. No, 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 no. It goes well into the 20s. And so there's a lot of confusion. And some kids will even follow the prescribed perfect path, right? You know, I went to the place where my parents went and I got my business degree and I'm working in finance now and what the hell is this? You know, like I did not picture life being like this. Now I have to regroup and figure out who I am and who I want to be. So it sounds like our notion of childhood being sort of this thing that starts at a certain time and has a certain element of innocence to it and then ends and turns into adolescence, which then ends and turns into adulthood. All of that is out the window a little wiped bit. Wiped away. I'm afraid. Yeah. And so is that what the book It a- really is. That, that, that's really what I'm talking about wow. is like, you know, from there, there used to be my first book. I used the word tween in the title. And at one point, I think Julie asked me, like, where's this in your book? And I'm like, oh, it's not there. I don't think I don't think that part exists anymore. Tween. I think that's a tween. Teenagers are this not kind a thing. of cushion, you yeah. know, between like you know being a really innocent child and being kind of a more worldly teenager who's really learning about your identity. Yeah, I I don't think you get that nice easy cushion. I think the world is way harsher for our kids. Yeah, and so part of the mandate for us is. To, add, to have a lot of discussions, but also to be the softest possible place to fall. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of a um, the story I just wrote um, about Grace Bauer, who's the daughter of the police commander, Paul Bauer, who was shot last February, yeah. February 2018, and Amelie Liu, whose dad was a pediatric surgeon at UFC. He drowned saving two boys in Lake Michigan um, eight years ago. They have teamed up to create this app and social media community for other kids who are um, grieving, who also lost a parent. And talking to them, which happens so often when I'm talking to teenagers, and I bet you find this too, mm-hmm. um, the the courage and the generosity of spirit and the willingness to push through the absolute trauma and pain and grief that they experienced and will continue to experience really for every day of their life to push through that and have the desire and then the strength to act on that desire to help, to change the world, to save the world, to help, even if they help five people, but really they're setting out to help more like 5,000 and I have no doubt they will. No doubt. Um, I wonder if that's a little bit uh, a response to this new way of living for these kids right that you don't you don't childhood doesn't necessarily mean disney right right it, you know now it might mean like um a little bit of fear and anxiety and trauma and here's how i'm gonna cope with that i'm gonna make it better i mean i just Absolutely. i see that so often when i'm talking to teens they're really trying to make it better i think teens get the worst rap right now in our culture i i think there's this belief among my generation i'm a little bit older than you just a few months, uh, I yeah. think, it's something like that. I'm not doing the math. <laughs> <laughs> Let's never do math on this podcast. <laughs> um, 
But, you know, I think we think they're just this selfish generation that wants, you know, selfies and likes and all. Right. I, it's just I think it's a lazy way to assess who they are um, when, in fact, they because they learn so much so young, they develop a sense of worldliness and empathy and caring about the human condition that I don't think we had at 8, 9, 10 or 11. Right. And so here you have these two young women who are doing this most amazing thing that, that they would have every right to bag out of and say, you know of what? Of course. I'm just going to deal with my own grief. Leave me and, alone. Yeah. I'm going to be in my room. I yeah. don't want another set of eyes on me. Right. I don't want to explain anything to anyone. I don't want to tell my story one more time. They have every right, right? Every right. And yet that there's something fundamental in them that says, I went through this. I know other kids are. I can't stand that the other people are suffering unnecessarily. I'm well aware that we have platforms through which we can help each other. Yeah. And so they, they're they actually doing that. You it's know, amazing. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. It hurts to tell my story. I'm going to tell it anyway because it might help someone. Yep. Which is so insanely brave. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you think – really think about that. You've lost – you haven't just lost a parent. I've worked with a lot of kids who've lost a parent. It's awful and it's tragic. To lose a parent – in that way, right? My 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 dad was a hero, and I always pictured that he was going to be Superman. You know yep. what I mean? Like I picture Paul Bauer, and I know you you are you know him, knew him, and um, you know to have him gone suddenly right. in a heroic way. You know, it's just there it, that it, morning and gone yeah, that afternoon. Yeah, not sick, not you know, just just doing his thing, doing yeah. his job, and um, and to rise above that and decide I want to help any kid who's lost their parent in any way. Yeah. It's amazing. It it, it brings I think we're both getting choked up. I know a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Which is appropriate. I mean yeah. I think that's the right response to kids who come through like that because it's it's lovely not in just a pat you on the head, you know, participation trophy you came up with a nice project kind of way, but right. you are actually changing the face of things in yep. the world. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, and it's a lead that I hope adults will start to follow. I mean, I really do Seriously. think that, you know, when we're looking for how to be in this world and what to do with all this madness around us, I really, really believe looking to to kids of any age, but especially, especially you know, that Grace Amelie, 14-year-old, you know, early teen age, I really find so much guidance from them. Oh, for sure. And, and um, a side note to that story is... To, to my thinking is they recognize, oh, we have a way to reach people, mm-hmm. right? You know, and, and so um, whereas maybe 10 years ago if this happened, we'd have to, what, put up flyers or yeah. I don't know how we'd, how we'd reach people. Yeah. Now we're just going to start a group and t- let, let people know and hopefully Heidi Stevens will write something about yeah. us and more people will join the group and I suspect that's happening. Yeah. Um, and they're going to help so many people through this. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I can sense it growing. Like I can I can imagine a conference. I can imagine all sorts of things falling out of that um, that is going to be just so healing yeah. for so many people who would feel so alone right. otherwise. And another thing I loved that they said was that, so so the whole story is that Amelie's older sister, Jean-Viev, started this website back when she was 14. She's in college now. Um, but of course, you know, her dad was also, you know, she and Amelie have the same dads. They right. both, both lost their dad when he drowned. And she started this website and it has sort of sat dormant a bit. 
um, since she's been at college, but she set out to really find more sort of expert advice and find some people to weigh in on how to deal with grief. And Grace and Amelie said they're not really looking to offer advice. They just want um, this to feel like you have people cheering you on from the sidelines. And so you feel like they have both felt like people don't really understand what they're going through. People can't really imagine what they're going through. And so they want this community of people who understand, who feel what they're feeling, and who, by example, are living, you know, out these pretty rich fulfilled impressive lives anyway going to college yeah you know not failing out of school smiling yeah having friendships yep. and an example um to look to and also um a community that can cheer those people on as they're living those examples that's what they're setting out to do and i love that because i think as adults we sometimes can go like okay well i'm gonna i'm gonna find an expert and then i'm gonna point them toward resources and then i'm gonna tell them how to do this and they're like we don't really need to be told how to do this right um we just want to find some people who are doing it with us and then we're gonna all cheer each other on yep we're just gonna support each other yeah. and and somehow instinctively we know that's what we need yeah yeah I love that. Um, that that reminds me just briefly of um, a couple of years ago. I spoke at a high school, and um, and somebody on the board said, "Hey, would you be willing to have a panel of a freshman, a sophomore, junior, senior, so that you know if the kids have something specific they want to ask them? I'm sure they're going to want to talk to you, Doctor Duffy. Uh-huh. But you know, <laughs> um, but should they have a question for one of the other kids? And um, beautifully." I disappeared so fast. Uh-huh. Not, not a single, <laughs> nobody wanted anything to do with me. And they were just asking these kids all these questions. And I could feel like, oh, they're, they're just, they know how to do this. Yeah. They, they're working this stuff through yep. and having the, and I'm putting air quotes around the word expert, having the expert in the room, uh, maybe if something went real sideways clinically, sure. right? That's sure. a fine thing. Um, they but, just needed a venue and somebody to launch the conversation. Yeah. And kids, so kids are so good at helping each other in mm-hmm. difficult circumstances. One caveat, and this, this does show up in my book, by the way, is a lot of kids middle of the night are talking each other off um, a suicidal ledge, mm-hmm. literally. Mm-hmm. And in, if I'm being fair and honest, they're amazing at it. I mean, yeah. yet it's it's a burden they shouldn't have to take on. Yeah. And, you know, like I went through five years of grad school and 20 years of practice before I really felt like, okay, I think I understand how to mitigate and manage that situation. And kids are doing this. Your kid might be doing this now, you yeah. know what I mean, with a friend of theirs in silence in their rooms. Yeah. Um, and that's something I kind of worry about. I so admire them showing up for one another because I don't know the kid that wouldn't. You yeah. know, if somebody wrote them and said, I'm having a hard text them, having a hard time, finals week. It could be, you know, like I'm taking the ACT tomorrow, you know, but I'll show up for you. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I just don't want kids to carry that burden, at least not alone. Yeah. But just so you know, kids are showing up for each other in that way too. You know, like in every way emotionally, kids are supporting each other. Yeah. Yeah. That's good news. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I think we're out of time. We're totally out of time. I know we have. We actually we took notes this week. We were gonna we had an yeah. agenda, and I, there's like two things we didn't get to, but we'll see. But I think we did pretty well. I think we did too. Yeah. We covered a lot. We did. We did. <laughs> um, anything? Anything before we finish? No, I don't think so. I, think I don't we better think so let people go. And we're gonna let you guys go. This is on purpose. This ha- is Heidi and John. Have and a good week. Have a great week. <laughs>